Hello and welcome to the NDA podcast. My name is Justin Pierce and I'm the editor. Today's podcast is one in our series called NDA Meets, but it's a new sub-series of NDA Meets. We're talking in particular to, to CTOs, but CTOs agencies. Try to understand what the role means today, how, how CTOs are helping their agencies deliver new tech partnerships, how they help their agencies and their clients find the best tech to use to engage their customers. And I'm delighted to be joined today for the launch episode of this new sub-series by Ross Barnes, who's Global CTO at the AND Partnership. Ross, hi, and welcome to the NDA podcast. Thanks, Justin. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Excellent. Before we kick off, let's hear a bit about you. Do you want to tell us who you are, where you work, what you do there, and a bit about your career history up until your current Yeah, so... So I'm global CTO of M6 and the AND partnership. Um, M6 is a media agency that's um, a joint venture between Group M and the AND partnership. And the AND partnership is our micro network that sits above that and um, comprises of the media agency, creative agencies, PR agencies. Um, I've been um, at M6 now for 12 years. Um, I am the second longest serving employee when I joined, there were 30, and now there's 1,300. So it's been quite a journey. Um, I'm responsible in my current role globally for all technology, digital, data, and e-commerce. So quite a, a wide-spanning role. Um, and I've been in the data and tech world for 22 years now, uh, starting as a web developer and a search engine uh, specialist um, at client side. Um, but as the explosion of search uh, media grew with the growth of Google, I moved agency side, um, starting at M6 as head of search and moving up um, to become global CTO. Excellent. Well, it's, I mean, the point of this new series, uh, talking to CTOs agencies, is trying to understand what that role means. You said you started 20 years ago. I started about the same time as, a, as an IT journalist, uh, a very young IT journalist. So it's kind of fascinating now for me to see, see the change and see the, see the importance, I guess, of the CTO role, at, at, obviously any company, but especially agencies, because agencies now have to battle with a huge choice of technologies to try and get the job done. So first of all, let's talk about how you help the agency select the best tech partners there are a million people listening out there who are desperate to sell tech into someone like you how do you help the ATS line yeah i think that's that's really important i think as we've grown i've been very clear that the agency um, needs to have a very modular approach to technology we need to be able to change and adapt as the industry changes and adapts but i think also conscious that um there's something about technology that is very magpie-like. It's very about cha- it's about chasing the shiny things, and I've been very conscious in my career to not be attracted by the things that that seem new and that really function as point solutions in a tech stack. I've been much more keen to build for our agency and for our clients almost enterprise-level solutions that can kind of work in a myriad of ways for our clients, because I feel that's how you get the best investment, uh, best return on investment from, from any technology partners. Um, so the best way to sell tech to someone like me is to really talk about benefit rather than feature. Um, and I think talking about what a technology partner can deliver for my client or for my agency 
is really finding the human benefit or business benefit rather than telling me about the whiz bang beneath the bonnet. I'll definitely want to go there, but not not straight away. I think is probably how I'd I'd face that. So you get the whiz bang beneath the bonnet. I mean, there have always been, as as you, we both know, lots of smoke and mirrors in this industry. I mean, do you get sort of uh, sold that a lot? I think of things like AI. There are AI solutions out there that aren't really AI, for example. You know, how does this happen quite a lot? And how do you kind of cut through the is it lies is the right word or the hyperbole? I I think you you've got to be a professional cynic in in this role, um, and I think you've got to really um, really. We're, so we have a policy at M six um, when we meet new tech or media vendors is we want to see a mix of a, a for want of a better term a salesperson, but we also want them to come with a product person, so we can actually really have a product based chat about what what the function and form of that of that partner is because i think we've got to i mean you know i'm I'm doing quote marks for the, the listeners but ai right i mean that is a myriad of different things to a to, to many different people so i'm automatically quite suspicious of buzzword bingo and you know over over promise and um under delivery really so how tell me how you discover new technologies and again as you say you're you know you you're suspicious of buzzword bingo which is the right approach to having your role i guess but there are as you know sort of saying there are so many technologies out there that could deliver amazing benefits for you and your clients how do you how do you find them i i am very much um as a technologist very much a uh, a problem solver and i think the way that we find new technologies is either by encountering solutions that need solving or well three ways or clients asking for solutions that need solving or three and the most important one is finding something that's taking too long it's almost it's almost if something is feels too hard there is probably a technology solution that has been that has been made to solve it you know it's like the bill gates the bill the bill gates quote which i'm going to butcher but i'd i'd rather have smart lazy people than than hardworking people because smart lazy people will find a solution and i think it's identifying it's identifying what the problem is first or what the uh bottleneck is has really helped us uh, adopt our new our partners hey that makes a lot of sense and what about what about the sort of the industry uh ways that in which you can find tech partners i mean a conference is important are things like camera uh-huh. Or, you know um i i think having a having a strong network is really important um and building that through going to conferences building that through um you know through reddit forums through um through email lists is is probably the a good way to get exposed um i i think you know demexico is a very useful conference to attend um i again what it's not what for me what it's not to do is to watch the presentations it's to meet the people and talk about the product rather than be talked to about the product okay so what's your one piece of advice for someone listening out there who's got this amazing tech solution that they know would deliver results for your clients how can they get a meeting with you i guess how can they get into your agency i think it's telling me the problem it's definitely about telling me the problem they can solve rather than the tool that they've got 
I, you know, I think, for example, you know, the explosion in dashboard technologies in 2018, 19, uh, Datarama, Looker, and the acquisitions that happened there by Google, Salesforce, et cetera, was all about identifying that a big pain point for clients and agencies alike and organizations was data flow visualization and the amount of work, hard work that was going into Excel was eating some incredibly clever people lots of time. And identifying that as a pain point for us meant that we went all in to building our partnerships with those types of technologies. Okay, excellent. So let's talk about some big sort of macro things going on in the industry. And the first one, obviously, is, is cookie list. The third part of cookie is, we think, going away sometime soon if people stop delaying. Uh, so yeah, this is obviously causing or has been causing for many years now kind of headaches for everyone across the whole industry. But as CTO, I guess this is bang right in your area. So what's going on with, with cookie list that you're ready to have? I mean, I mean, I'm not surprised that it's... It stalled again. Um, I think it was a mammoth undertaking uh, by, by Google, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think, and it's, I, I think it's always been at the forefront of the 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 way that we talk to our clients at M6 about how they need to behave. I think we talk to our clients about not being beholden, uh, their marketing strategy being beholden to another commercial um, organization's business strategy. And the part of that is have your first party data strategy in place so that you're when this happens when it or, or when it doesn't happen, you've got a robust view of your own consumers and potential consumers, and you're able to use that to market and not be reliant on Google, on Meta, et cetera. So it hasn't really changed anything that we've been talking to, to about to our clients or our potential clients, it's merely another incentive for people to get their data house in order. What sort of advice, particular question, but when you're talking to clients about first-party data, obviously that they, they are leaning on their agency's partners of support. So what, again, what is what role do you, Ross, play as CTO in that discussion? One of your big clients comes in, what's the advice on first-party? What's your role with, I guess, with the other members of the agency, how does, how does it play out? So I'm, so I'm, I will be central in that role, uh, in in that in that discussion, um, and uh, we will be. So the, the, there's like a matrix of first party data, um, and on the x axis is let's say data liberalist to data isolationists. So whether people want to share their data or whether they're incredibly protective of it, and then there's. Um, I guess it's the value spectrum on the on the y-axis, and 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 that's people who un- understand and have therefore invested in the value of their data, and those that haven't and therefore don't don't possess any possess any data. And what we do is we help our clients map themselves on that matrix, and then that helps us guide our clients on how they might approach their first-party data solutions. So, for example, one of our largest global clients was very much um, a um, a data isolationist with a huge amount of data and really placed a huge amount of value on that data. But unfortunately, what that was doing, it was constricting their usage of that data because they wouldn't let it out of the auspices of their business. We spent a lot of time working with them, and unfortunately, I, I can't name them. We spent a lot of time working with them on how they might 
free their data up in smaller and smaller ways to partners, to activation uh, channels, and start to use that data to overcome what Cookieless was going to bring us. And I, you know, it's it's been an unmitigated success for that client. And I think it's all about firstly, it's about education. And then secondly, it's about that identifying what data our, our client has. So I'm really at the heart of that conversation with our, our planners, our data strategists, and our, 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 our audience planners, as we call them. Well, I know you sort of can't talk you know, for or about clients often, but what's your sense in terms of general preparedness across the board with clients for first-party data? Because whenever I talk to talk to CMOs or heads of media, they're always, they seem to be well ahead of the game. But then we all know that's not the case across the board. So what's your general feeling on how well the you know the client community, if that's not too sort of dumb a term, is in terms of first party preparation? I think I I I don't think many clients are way ahead of the game. Um well, that's let me reframe that. I don't think all clients are well ahead of the game. I but I think there is a recognition um that um that that is important that first party data is important. What I'm really enjoying, though, about this, about the discussions about first-party data, is data the 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 openness of data collaboration. Now, I think um, I think clients and publishers and organisations are starting to see how their data, in the right privacy-safe way, can can enrich other organisations' data and the value inherent in that um, that means that with our clients and with our with publisher partners we're having very different conversations about how we might buy media for example it's not necessarily about the media it might be about the data play um and therefore it's a very different engagement um with with our clients on that way does that answer that yeah it does actually it does you mentioned publishers so what again looking at your role in particular uh what's yeah, how are the relationships changing with publishers, especially with third-party cookie game, publishers owning first-party data, etc. How yeah, how's that role changing, and how are you seeing the change in your relationship with publishers? Um, I think, I think the level of the level of conversation is much deeper now um, with our publisher partners, and contains much more nuance, over, more, much more than investment. It's it's much more about value, integration, and collaboration. So it's about ensuring that using a mix of our clients' first-party data and a publisher's first-party data, you can deliver a much richer experience on that publisher platform than you could do with a straight programmatic buy, for example. And meaning that you've got different voices at the table and you know, I I love our trading team and our buying team, and they're fantastic and they do a great job. But bringing a C- two CTOs into the conversation to start saying, "Hey, how can our how can our data sets play together, and how can that drive value for both of us?" It's a new type of conversation, and it's opening up new trading levers and new investment opportunities that didn't really exist before. So let's. Take a step back then and look at all these uh, issues we're talking about need tech solutions, and that's that's your role to find those tech solutions. So when you found the right tech solution, be it to help to the publishers or help to the first party or you know whatever's needed, 
uh, you found the one by going to New Mexico, whatever. How do you convince the board to greenlight the investment? How do you convince the board that this is the right way to go? Yeah, I mean that that is that is the uh, the eternal challenge. I think I think it's about showing um, one of the main. Um, the, one of the main challenges of getting investment is showing the benefit, and one of the main one of the main benefits in in our agency is showing that an investment in technology now will save on I don't know time spent in six months, and I think working with our so we've set up quite robust and we're setting up quite robust workflow management solutions that allow us to really granularly identify pain points in terms of um, process. So when things are taking too long, when there's inefficiencies, but also pain points in terms of morale. So starting to track when processes are uncomfortable, not uncomfortable, they are difficult for people or they are repetitive or they cause morale to drop and churn to drive and people to start leaving because it's something they just don't want to do. And we're starting to track all those things. And then I'm able to take a solution to the business and say it solves either a time a problem here so we're more able to um, direct these people to client specific problems to revenue earning opportunities or it solves a, a problem which is churning five new starters because they're coming in and it's not part of the role that they really want to do and I think now our business sees both of those things as worthy of investment but it's making sure that the data, and it was it was painful getting that data, getting to that that point of data, and it and it still is, it's still a journey, um, is is really important, uh, is, is to show exactly what the benefits is going to be. Well, I just thought of this, uh, but I guess more and more clients themselves are investing in in tech stacks. We're seeing things like in housing, all the different variations of that going on. So, what what role do you play, or do you get asked by clients to help to help them? You know, in those sort of internal technologies, because everything you're talking about, uh, working out a case for it, working it's going to save money or time. This is something I guess that clients as well. So, is that conversation happening? Yeah, definitely uh, a, a long um, a, a lot, and that is a part of my role is to well, two things really. It's to a help a client write a business case for an internal tool. An internal technology, and again, to my point of not being beholden to another company's organised uh, commercial strategy, we generally encourage our clients to own their own te- technology and their own data. So, for example, to own their own Google ad serving contract. Um, it's about helping them build that business case internally is one thing, but the second part, which is is more common, is it's almost like going being invited into their technology garage. And someone pulls the dust cover back on the Jaguar they've just bought and says, we don't know how to drive this. And it's really helping them um, really engage with the licenses they've been sold or the technologies they've bought and making sure they're getting the most out of them through, you know, through consultancy. Any particular areas where that happens quite a lot? I remember a few years ago, uh, sort of the industry sort of joke with DMPs. Everyone bought a DMP and didn't know how to use it. Client side, where are the areas where this is happening most of the moment? C- CDPs, um, CRM systems is, is a huge one. Um, uh, so Salesforce activation. I think um, website customization and CRO technologies are again. They often sit very dusty at the back of that garage. Um, and I think um, clean rooms. 
as well. Um, you know, uh, and I think clean rooms is a I feel and um, you know an unhelpful terminology. It feels very. Um, oh really? Why is that? It seems it's, it's got such traction. It it really has. It really has. But I think what it what it does. I think it's got traction for people that know what clean rooms are. Okay. I think, I think if I'm speaking to other parts of my organization it's quite it's quite a what's it's quite a it's quite an impenetrable term and we we talk about them as um, data collaboration platforms because i think that really starts to talk about what you're trying to do is you're trying to build a way for your data to collaborate with other people's data in the environment in an environment in a good way rather than um what can feel quite hygienic although it should feel hygienic of, of clean rooms but that is a technology that we are seeing clients have invested in and are now going what do we do with it so we spend a lot of time writing use case documents for clean room um clean room use mm, really interesting so lots to do your role's pretty large so you know as you, as you outlined at the beginning of our conversation but what are your top three priorities for the year ahead we're kind of in a sort of funny time that coming to q3 and it's been a weird year it's been a weird summer but yeah what are your three priorities looking ahead next year i mean one one screens really really large um and it's talent i think we're in an in well a talent and diversity i think so one talent two diversity we're in such an incredible incredibly hard talent war at the moment um, it's not even a talent shortage. It really is a war for digital and tech uh, people. Um, and we are finding it, I think the industry is finding it harder and harder to attract um, in terms of agency land, to attract these people as they're going to platforms, they're going to consultants, they're going to the city. Um, and I think um, that is really where our pain point is. Um, and I think if you speak to you know, various agency groups, there's 25% open heads, you know, it's, it's, it's really hard. And I think part of that is because we're all fishing in the same pool. And I think that's where diversity comes in. And um, that is where the effort of making sure that people who didn't necessarily see digital and technology as an opportunity are aware that, you know, hey, they're aware that advertising exists, let alone digital tech consultancy, CRM, all those things. And I think that's, those two things are my real focus um, for our agency. Um, and the third third focus is our client-side focus is ensuring all our clients are ready for these changes, you know, are ready for cookie-less, are ready for clean rooms. But I think, you know, we've spent quite a lot of time speaking about speaking about that already. But yeah, it's really, it's really about the human element of, uh, of our of our industry, really. So you mentioned diversity, and you were recently diagnosed with ADHD. As a side note, you know, we're, we are that being rude for about the same age, and I've got several of my friends who have been diagnosed just recently. So it's, I don't know why, but it's definitely sort of something I'm so aware of. So, just to, with that sort of lens in mind, partially, what's your view on generally diversity across our industry? You mentioned, you know, it, it is an issue, people are fishing the same pool. There's lots of work going on. Is the work being done well enough? What's your view? Yeah, um, I mean, interesting. Interesting, you mentioned your friend. So I was, yeah, I was diagnosed in May. So at, at forty-four, getting that that kind of kind of news is is my, my friend. Is, my friend is almost the same age, actually. Yeah. 
and it's i mean it's it it does really start you really start to think about different types of diversity you hadn't necessarily thought about before like well we do a lot of work with neurodiversity we work with ambitious about autism and we have um, a number of incredible um incredible uh employees that have joined us through that scheme um but i, I think everybody's saying the right things definitely about um diversity efforts but i think what we've really got got to do and i think what we do well i think is really hold ourselves account account to targets to the things that we're saying to the way that we're talking to the agency um and you know part of part of that is ensuring that in order to start fishing in a different pool i think you really need a, a transformational way of changing recruitment uh, and that's why we're launching um, the and academy at the end of this month which is our new campus-based ed- fully employed educational system it's going to be based in birmingham we're employing 23 apprentices they will be receiving training through the first 12 months of their engagement while being fully paid um, and will come out of that um about out of that training with a job with m6 and that training is supplied by our partners at multiverse but also our subject matter experts are training in a university-based setting and also support from our partners at meta tiktok and google so it's a fully wraparound um, um course that is really aimed at people that wouldn't necessarily have considered at um university let alone advertising and i think that will hopefully drive both um well all diversity metrics um from socioeconomic to ethnicity also to cognitive and neurodiversity as well getting back to my question about sort of proving proving things to the board how was the the value of this proved because this doesn't sound like a small endeavor you know it's a cost of resource going into it so how was that proved this is worth doing it was uh, so i proved it to the board in a number of different ways um one is to it was to show that it would help us um meet um the diversity targets that we that we had set but two it was to show that we we were struggling to a hire and b retain um, our entry level talent and um part of that was you know we were hiring um people that were being poached after being trained trained by us for a year uh being poached by the platforms or being poached by the accentures and that was leaving us with you know an executional challenge you know our our man our account managers were having to step into account executive roles in order to fulfill them and that was then driving churn at that level as then the ads had to step down so what so what so what we we showed is that by building we did some research about building greater um equitable relationships with our, our employees by providing training providing um expertise and providing attention mean, means that we're much likely less likely to lose those employees and therefore we made a case based on churn and client um client benefit to say that investing time in these in this diverse pipeline that no one else is fishing should allow us to build a loyal um a loyal 
talent pipeline that is also making a difference to a community. Excellent. Thank you. Now, I can't not ask a CTO, you know, really a simple question is what one, what one, two, three technology are you most excited about? I mean, you mentioned uh, the Meta, Meta, you mentioned Meta as a partner, and obviously Metaverse is probably one of the most potentially hyped up or potentially most, uh, you know, just amazing development on the scene in the industry. So what, but it, Metaverse, is that exciting? Digital out of home, you know, CTV. What one, give me three technologies that you're really excited about. Look, I'm, I'm excited about, I'll cover the Metaverse first. Um, I'm really excited about the Metaverse. Um, and But I'm excited about that from a personal level. I spend quite a lot of time in it um both professionally and personally we you know we have regular meetings in um in horizons um and um but do i think it's there yet do i think we're do i think we're overhyping it as an industry potentially um i i i'm not diving yet um, we're, we're let's say we're educating clients on the potential possibilities um, that may exist. But what we're tr- kind of saying is, you've got to be in this new channel. If you invest, you've got to be prepared that it might not work. It is a very much, um, you know, it's very much a, a nascent channel. Um, secondly, what I'm really excited about is um, the move, the way that media is becoming much closer to production is really exciting and and i think the next one of the next battlegrounds will be i don't know dco 2.0 or as i call it in our agency dcp so dynamic creative personalization and i think connecting agency uh, media agencies much closer to content and dam systems so digital asset management systems is really going to, I think, leap, take a giant leap in personalization in the right way um, by using first-party data to really engage and have intelligent conversations with with, with consumers. So DCO 2.0, I think, is is quite exciting. Um, And some of the tech that's coming out of Hogarth, for example, uh, Bannerflow, those types of things. And thirdly, you know, it... We've we've spoken about clean rooms. Um, I think, you know, I think thinking about you know collaboration between data partners is is really important. So I would have to say, sorry to be duplicative, but I would have to be truthful and say yeah, that clean rooms are where I'm spending a lot of time and starting to. I think what will start to get exciting is when you start to get collaboration in clean room platforms between competitors to start to work better at communicating an industry. So for example, you know, very topical right now, the utility industry, about how they start to communicate about the cost of living crisis and how they can use all of that data together to have a, a unified way of marketing. Great, great. I was just going to start digging a bit more into this DCO 2.0, which sounds kind of a lovely phrase. Uh, what, what, you mentioned banner phone sort of technology. What sort of needs to happen? And not not just you know M6, but at the agency level generally to increase this collaboration. I think there needs to be a much better collaboration between media, creative slash content, and production. I think what media agencies have done, and 
you know, we have a creative agency and our group have a good creative agency. We've let the creative agencies run the production relationships. And I think that's done great stuff. And there's, you know, when you think about things like virtual twin technologies, virtual shoots that, that are happening, I think that's all great stuff. But what hasn't happened is the data and tech connectivity. And I think what needs to happen is media agencies really need to double down on understanding production and understanding the type of content that they might want to produce for clients that doesn't necessarily require the the gloss of a creative agency. Um, And those conversations are happening now. I think most media agencies are beginning those, but I think in order to get to a real intelligent, content approach and in and deep and meaningful conversations driven by data you really need to go to the source and I, I do think that's happening and it's and that's why I think it's not just DCO driven by rules now it's a real close integration and not just template based and not just about showing the right sneaker it's really about it's about ensuring that the data is interpreted and then applied in the right way. Amazing, thank you. Well, look, this has been a fascinating chat. I absolutely loved it. But let's end up with a question, and again, back to those people listening in who desperately want to sell their new tech platform to you. What's your favourite restaurant? Oh, my favourite restaurant? Um, that is a great question. Um, it is a a local pub near us. Um, it's called Table de Alix. Um, uh, it used to be called The Plough, and it's in a village called Great Hazley. Excellent. So that's where he wants to go. He'll take out for lunch. Anyway, <laughs> Ross, thank you so much. That was a really fantastic conversation. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Justin. Absolute pleasure. And thank you for listening. Goodbye. This podcast is a new digital age production. New Digital Age is part of the Blue Stripe Group, the communications group for the digital industry. Please go to www.bluestripegroup.co.uk for more information.